queue already loaded up to go. Uh, if you want to join this space through YouTube and listen that way, uh, we are watching the live chat on the Dog Central YouTube channel. Just go to uh, the Dog Central YouTube channel and we will see what you have to say. I am going to add a couple of these guys in here and we will kick this off. Um, all right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Raleigh dog asks if Luther Burton had signed with Georgia, would he be the number one wide receiver for Oregon? No, not in my opinion. Um, I think that there is a decent chance that, he would be in a uh, starting rotation, but I think the number one wide receiver at Georgia right now is A.D. Mitchell, and uh, as talented as Burton Burden is, I don't think he would have been able to uh, come in and overtake Mitchell. He obviously had a great freshman year last year, showed up to camp in even better shape. Uh, he's kind of had everybody on skates so far this fall camp from – what we have been told and uh, is looking very, very good. So I do not expect him to, I don't think that, uh, that burden would have been able to come in and overtake him, but I do think he would have been able to come in and probably see some early reps uh, at the Z position, especially with Arian Smith being hurt. And just, you know, there's a lot of talent that could possibly play at that position. Lab McConkie played a lot of snaps there last year. He's a pretty proven commodity at this point, but uh, yeah, nobody's really fully asserted themselves in that spot yet. And so I think he would have had a chance to come in and at least, uh, you know, share some, some snaps there. Um, all right. All of my co-hosts, you guys have been added as speakers. So jump in. Yeah. Here. You just Grant, that was pretty cool. Uh, question to start off the bat because we talked about Missouri in our SEC East breakdown earlier this week, and I had forgotten about Luther Burton because I'm looking at stats from last year, and you obviously pointed out he's definitely going to be wide receiver one. And uh, but yeah, I don't think he is wide receiver one. I completely agree. Excited to see. Hopefully, Ad Mitchell take the lid off of what could be an exciting career for the dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Any word on C.J. Smith? Seems like there would be reps for him with the Arian Smith injury from a pure speed perspective, but have heard absolutely nothing about him since he's arrived. Uh, does anyone want to jump in on this, or should I take it? Go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think he, you know, had some injuries kind of at the end of his high school career. I don't know that he's like a hundred percent healthy yet. Um, he is a guy from a pure speed perspective. He's probably the closest on the roster from Air to Arian Smith. Um, but I think more of a raw receiver who is just going to need time to develop a, a full route tree. Maybe as he gets kind of healthier and up to speed, we we see Georgia sneak him on the field kind of in the the, the second or, you know, last third of the season, um, kind of like they did with Arian Smith late in 2020. Like, that wouldn't shock me because uh, I think if you put him out there and have him run a go route, he's probably just going to fly past most of the, the guys – that he's going to face. I know when Georgia did their spring combine, uh, he, you know, laser verified four, four, five type of speed, which is, uh, which is rare to come back. There's a lot of folks that say they have a four, four, but there's not that many guys that are a four, four when you, you get a laser on them. So um, yeah, definitely one to watch, but uh, still, I think a little too raw to expect anything um, from him come early in the season. And, uh, I, I think he, I think he, he could be a guy that could be like Arian Smith was a couple years ago where you had those moments where you just put him on the field, put him on a go route. He doesn't have to do, you know, any, any complex route tree, like you were saying, Graham, and he can just take the lid off in certain situations. I think he'll definitely come around to being situational, but he had, um, he was limited in spring because of the meniscus surgery. They did a few things to just clean up some old stuff from high school, which is not uncommon um, for a program like Georgia to do that for players that are early enrollees. But I, I do think that that, you know, him sitting for a little while to, to get through that has kind of um, 
put him a, not, I don't want to say behind because all true freshmen are behind. <laughs> all right. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but we just lost everybody and we are rebooting. Sorry about that. Um, John had some really excellent points that he was making. So apologies, John, for uh, cutting you off there. Um, yeah. Maybe they, maybe they weren't so excellent. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, um, maybe the internet gods were like, you're speaking nonsense. We're cutting you off. Yeah, I know. sorry. I, I was, hey, I thought it was some sabotage. But no, we're back up. We got a bunch of people. We didn't lose anybody on YouTube. So uh, cool. as we were wrapping it up on CJ, uh, CJ Smith, yeah, right? I yeah. got you. Um, is Jason – yeah, Jason, I'm just inviting you to speak because we have a recruiting question for you. Um coming up here but uh june recruiting fearmonger who is uh that's probably one of the better usernames on the dog central forum asks got a few questions about the inside linebackers how do you think that rotation will look by the end of the year who's the alpha in that room making the calls and getting everyone lined up pre-snap which of those guys will be the best pass rusher which of them will be best in coverage okay that's really like five questions in one um so the inside linebackers, we've talked about this a lot uh, on our subscriber forum. Like that has been a area that uh, I think has been up and down so far in the uh, preseason in the fall camp. There's been some guys who have had some nice moments and then, you know, kind of tail off and come back again. So I, I think, Right now, if the season started today, I think your your two starters there at that position would be uh, Smeal Mondin and um, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. But I think you're going to see probably a little bit of rotation. Um, I, I do think, you know, Jalon Walker is a true freshman but was here in the spring, has impressed, has, has done well. And, you know, is going to continue to to kind of push in that regard for an opportunity to play. Uh, you're also going to see, I think, some of Xavier and Sori, as well as, uh, oh, my God, who's the fifth one? Tresman Marshall. Um, and Marshall, you know, is the, the older one in that room. So I think, like, he's the guy that has the most knowledge of the scheme and playbook. And in a perfect world, you know, I think he would kind of assert himself more. But I think all of these guys, there's so much talent in that room. A lot of it's so young that you've had some guys have really good days. And then the next day, maybe they drop off a little bit. And so no one's really grabbed a hold of that position. So, you know, kind of asking who the alpha dog in that room is, is hard to say. Because I don't think there is one yet. Uh, if I had to guess... Like, it seems like Dumas Johnson has been the kind of most consistent force. But, um, yeah, I'm very curious as well to see who is who's making the calls uh, against Oregon at that inside linebacker position. Um, as far as coverage goes, I would have to say uh, probably Mondin or, or Tresman Marshall, I think, would be the two – best cover guys in there potentially uh you've heard kirby smart talk about how mondin is just a different type of athlete than they've ever had an inside linebacker and when you think about the inside linebackers he's coached that's saying a lot marshall you saw some of his skills on g-day i mean he had his hands on on three different balls that could have been intercepted did did have one interception in that game uh i think that's a huge strength and i think that georgia will probably need him at some point when they play a little bit more like spread heavy kind of passing attack, maybe against Mississippi state or Tennessee, you could see him come out and, you know, play some, some significant snaps because they might trust him a little more in coverage. Um, what do my co-hosts think? Anything about the linebackers? Here's, here's my hot take, hot take of the night, Graham. Ooh, I'm excited. Everybody knows, and it's no secret how Kirby Smart is huge on special teams. So I'm going with Walker, shows out on special teams for a few games and ends up being in a starting lineup by the end of the season. 
I like it. I don't. I don't really disagree with it either. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to disagree with any of any of anything that's been said so far. I think the one thing to remember is Glenn Schumann. He he's been on record as you know he he coaches a modern linebacker position. So the athleticism is super important. The ability to coverage and what. Jason was just saying about special teams, right? You put your best athletes on special teams um, and let them kind of start feeling that that heat of the moment and and see how they respond. And um, I think you'll probably see more. My hot take is I think you'll probably see more than just um, Jalon Walker from a linebacker on special teams. Um, but I think I think yeah, if I had if it was today, I would say Smile Mondin and, and Jamon Dumas Johnson would be the two that you're going to roll out there. I just throw some stats in here where, I mean, just a, a wealth of, of talent has been recruited there. Uh, Mondin, a five-star. Dumas Johnson, a, a four-star, a point nine two one two four seven rating. Marshall is a point nine four six four, And Jalon is a nine eight four. all high four-stars. We're very lucky to be have such a wealth of talent there. I mean, and, and Dumas Johnson had 100 snaps that he leads – those position, those players at, at, with uh, 2021 snaps there. So just wanted to pinch, throw in some stats for you guys. Well, and you got a guy. I I, I think you've got a guy in Raylan Wilson, the 2023 class that might be better than all the guys you just mentioned too. So um, Glenn Schumann is not to be trifled with on the recruiting trail. Yeah, Raylan Raylan Wilson is nasty, and that kid was only he's only 16. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and he runs what, like a a ten seven hundred meter or something silly like that. It, yeah, he can get after it. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, uh, one for for Jason hey, real, and Dustin, real, maybe real real quick, man. <sighs> yeah, for the folks who are joining us, um, we're taking questions from our Dog Central subscribers that they posted on our forum. We're gonna take live questions from y'all as soon as we get through those. So if you have a question. Uh, just click the request to speak button and we'll start lining folks up. Yeah, we we actually don't have too many uh, forum questions tonight, so we should get through those pretty quick and have lots of just, time. for Just two more questions. Let's go. All right. I got it. Okay. Uh, Ray Cottrell, Raymond Cottrell is posting Aggie stuff. Is he flipping or trolling? Question mark. Is the Anthony Evans possible commitment a factor? That's from Dog Central member Dog Girl. No, either way, I don't think the Evans commitment's going to be a factor at all. And I mean, there's been rumors with Raymond Cottrell before about maybe possibly not being in this class. Right now, I would treat I would treat it as just you know he's a committed kid, and a lot of these committed kids when they stay committed, the you know. They don't. They're not getting as much attention as all the other guys. So, I would treat it right now as just attention grabber. Yeah, and I also wouldn't be as concerned because they are trying to get a, a fifth guy if it's the right guy. And if they get into a position where he does go and they don't hit on any of these guys, they're going as the fifth guy. They can always go to the portal down the road for that spot. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, who returns kicks for Georgia this year? With running back depth being what it is, I'm starting to think we don't put Kenny Mack there. That's an interesting one. Um, if you guys want to variate between kickoffs and punts, that is fine as well. I mean, maybe this is just the novice, less than experience. I'm not going to say novice football watcher of the game, but it just seems like, you know, Ty Gurley got his start there in his freshman year. So uh, is there a chance we see some Branson Robinson back there, or is that too thin at running back now to have him run him back? I would be surprised. I mean, uh, as good as Gurley was, like, I, I don't know that Robinson has kind of that, that, I mean, like Todd Gurley was Todd Gurley, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a different type of dude. Um, Robinson's really good, but I don't know that he has maybe the the breakaway breakaway speed that you would want on kickoffs. I think he's going to be more of kind of a 
a bruiser. You know, Kenny McIntosh would be, I think, the number one option. Uh, his his career kickoff return averages are very, very high. He's, you know, every time he gets a good return, he usually makes a play out of it, kind of one out of every two. But I just don't know if they'll put him back there, especially with Milton having the, the hamstring issue right now. They may be wise to not do that. I'm not. I'm not great with the special, the names of the positions on special teams. I could see Branson being the up guy, the one right in front of the receiver. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. Player. Yeah. For me, I think it's going to be Kyrus Jackson again. So last year, Kyrus Jackson returned 28 kickoffs and 22 punts. Um, and I think you'll probably see him. But but last year, you know, Georgia had. They rotated uh, the the kickoff returners last year were Kyrus Jackson, Lab McConkey, Kenny McIntosh, Zamir White, Kendall Milton returned one, and and Dominic Blaylock returned a couple. So it's definitely heavy uh, ones uh, running back and, and wide receiver ones in there. In yeah, that, yeah, you named the two that I was going to kind of just throw out, and this is speculation. Honestly, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to return kickoffs opening game, um, but. I could definitely see Lad, particularly on punts. Uh, you know, with kickoff returns, you have a little more time to make decisions and usually a lot more blocking help. But punt returns usually happen in a positive manner for a guy who can make like a quick move in space and then just get upfield and go. And McConkey definitely has that ability to make the first guy miss. Uh, I think, you know, Kyrus has kind of been the most consistent force on kickoff returns over the last couple of years, punt returns as well. So I think that's a logical one. But uh, with Dominic Blaylock healthy, I wouldn't be shocked to see him back there either. Um, I know that Kirby puts a really big emphasis on, like, before worrying about the punt being returned for a touchdown or anything like that, I think the the ultimate, uh, like, priority is just making sure that it's not going to be a fumble. So I think wide receivers are – kind of the the better candidate for the punts it 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 may not be game one because he's a freshman but if if i'm the coach uh bentley's eventually doing both for me i'm sorry you broke up a little bit what'd you say if if, if i'm the coach maybe not game one because he's a freshman but bell is uh doing both for me eventually that's a good one yeah dylan, dylan, dylan bell yeah yeah, and Jason's going to make fun of me, but the one who had a really, really good high school film, if we're just going to give him one role on this team, Cole Spear, he had really good highlights for kick returning. Cole Spear, Calhoun, Georgia, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question from the forum. Is Tyke Smith taking reps on special teams? And if yes, where? Um I know that Georgia has worked on special teams a lot this week so far. Um, you know, the, the kicking game was quite ugly early or in uh, the last scrimmage, particularly on field goals. And that's just, that's something that, you know, I think they, they've been drilling really hard. Uh, Tyke Smith kind of being, you know, sort of a second, third guy in some of the, the defensive back rotation spots would be a logical guy to, maybe see as a gunner on punt returns or I'm sorry, on, on a punt coverage or on, on kick coverage, but uh, you know, also working his way back from that injury uh, you know, that that's kind of a high impact job. So that may be something that they're a little more careful with him on. So uh, to be determined on Taiki, um, I am going to start adding some folks in to speak uh i saw uh kennington at skinny kenny had requested to speak earlier um so i'm going to see if he wants to jump in here uh jim i see you have requested to speak so i'm going to throw you in as well just unmute yourself once you speak and we'll go from there Jim, go ahead. You are a speaker. Uh, sorry. Yeah, cut out for a second. So I was actually had a comment about uh, 
June recruiting fear mongers <laughs> question. So like, cause we, I think he, the, they actually asked the same question for uh, we, John and I talked about that on, on my got a podcast this week. And you know, one of the things we talked about was like a, a bit of a parallel between the turnover at inside linebacker this year, as compared to like 17 and 18, 17 to 18. Um, Cause you know, that year we had Roquan as the, as the clear number one. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the, Leading returning tackler uh, that came back as far as inside linebacker was Monty Rice, right? A true freshman. So just feeling like seeing a little bit of a parallel there uh, where this year we lost even more, obviously, right? Losing our top three inside linebackers. But something like I had noticed was in 18, uh, like LeCount actually led the team in tackles. Um, so like the safeties ended up kind of picking up some of the slack for the younger linebackers. So just trying to get your guys' thoughts on that. That's not necessarily always a good thing, uh, but could we see something like that this year? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I definitely think, I don't know, like we were talking earlier, there's, you know, Josh pointed out how many kind of, you know, four or five star top 50 overall players in their class that Georgia has in that inside linebacker room. So there's not going to be a shortage in talent, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, just they, those guys are asked to do so much that I think that it's, it's going to be very possible for them to, you know, have, have some moments or, you know, miss, miss a gap assignment or something like that. So, uh, yeah, Christopher Smith back there, uh, he may have the most experience of anyone on this team from a sheer cat, a snap count and game started number, at least on the defense by this point. Um, so I think he'll definitely be a, a good safety valve. Um, pardon the, the pun, I guess. I didn't mean to do that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think you could see that for sure. I also would not be surprised to see, uh, you know, Dan Jackson. I think they really like him as a, a box safety. He does a nice job of kind of – I mean, he, he can fill gaps like a linebacker at times. So – that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah, you. Uh, I'm just going to tie a bow on that one, Graham, because you nailed it. Last year, the leading tackler at Georgia was actually Lewis Seen. Um, but if you look, Georgia lost their top um, five tacklers. If you look at the guys returning, the top returning tacklers are Nolan Smith. But, but after Nolan Smith, you have Dan Jackson, Keely Ringo, and, and Christopher Smith. So a lot of tackles being made in that secondary, and Dan Jackson being the – the second leading uh, returning tackler coming back for the team is going to be, I think, um, a big, big difference for Georgia this year. Absolutely. Um, Okay. We do have a question from our friend X. Uh, If you were creating an opening game script versus Oregon, how would you attack them early and often? Uh, I'm going to, I'd like to hear y'all's perspective on this one. And then I'll jump in at the end. I think uh, certainly you've seen Bo Nix. You want to um, take away his comfort zone. I think you want to just let him. I don't think you blitz him and, and give him an opportunity to make um, plays with his feet and improvise because I think that's where his, I don't know if you want to call it a strength is. But, um, uh, you know, I think containing him will be, huge and I think yeah you're going to play a lot of guys over the middle making sure nothing slips out underneath I don't think he can challenge you too far downfield and you know with Ringo and it sounds like Lassiter hopefully off to a good start that you know you just contain him and hopefully get out of their scripted plays and then start to to beat him down and and uh like the offense should be able to and uh just don't let Bo Nix beat you I guess is how I would approach this game I, I think we may have even mentioned this last time. I start Malachi Starks at star, and his job is to spy Bo Nix the whole game. I like it. How about on the offensive side of the ball? Any any thoughts on that? Four or five tight ends. <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to say that. See, the challenge is, right, um, Oregon, Oregon is, is a pretty good defensive team at linebacker, especially – um, but I think you can create mismatches. I think you do go, you know, you, you, you want to be careful because Dan Lanning, he knows, I mean, everybody knows those tight ends, right? They're going to absolutely scheme for those mismatches. 
but in some areas, I think it's not going to matter. I think you can put um, you can put tight ends in places and go that that twelve personnel and you have situations where you can run the ball. You have situations where you can throw the ball. Um, I also think that you do have to figure out how to stretch the field. Cause I think Oregon has good athletes on defense, but I think Georgia matchup one-on-one athletically can, can stretch Oregon. Um, and, uh, and I think you, you do both of those things. And then if those two fail, I think you could line up and you can, road grade them because <laughs> Utah did that last year, right? Like I think Georgia's has enough in the bag that they, they, there's two or three levels of scheme that you can run on. Yeah. I was about to say those, those linebackers are good till they find uh Tate Ratledge and either trust or Wilson or, yeah. or whoever coming after him. In or, or, or until, or until they have to cover Darnell Washington, you know, on a drag route and he's got, four or five inches on you, right? I mean, there's a number of things that I think Georgia has at their disposal versus those guys. Well, well then what what do they do when Darnell Washington's in on one side, a tight end, and we split Brock Bowers out wide? Are they going to send a linebacker out there to cover Bowers by himself? I think that's I hope, the problem, I, right? I, <laughs> I personally, as a, as a Georgia fan, I hope they do. Personally, please do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I just shared a tweet. Uh, if you look at the top of this little spaces uh, kind of interface that we're in here, uh, I, I started doing some Oregon prep last week and went back and watched their first game against Utah when Utah just kind of thrashed them, honestly, for, for lack of a better term. I mean, they beat them 38-7, to seven and it was just a, a nightmare from the start. Uh, I think – like Oregon has some some good linebackers. I don't want to you know say anything like disparaging about any of these guys, but like Justin Flo, uh, you know he wasn't that great in coverage last year. Now I know he didn't play a ton. He only saw forty seven coverage snaps, but uh, he gave up six catches on seven targets. And so you know I I think that's an area where Georgia can do what they do with a guy like Kenny McIntosh, right? Where, you know, uh, I think you start out 12 and 13 personnel, two and three tight end sets, um, and you you run the ball at them. And I think that they will have a hard time stopping that. I think the weak point for that Oregon defensive line is – or I'm sorry, the weak point for Oregon's entire team, I think that defensive line is just kind of the, the unit that is the most – the biggest question mark in my mind. Um, not a lot of experience there. I don't know that they have the size to play with an offensive line like Georgia. So I think they would struggle to deal with just Georgia's starting five offensive line. And then you add those tight ends into the run game. And I think you will see Georgia probably gash them a little bit on the ground early. And they're either going to have to, you know, switch to some heavier personnel or bring those safeties up into the box or, you know, do something, uh, come come tighter in to try and stop it and at that point i think you do end up with those mismatches where you know you have bowers or washington on a tight end or you know all of a sudden you you kind of do the james cook play that they did a, a few times over the last couple seasons where he motions out wide or kenny mcintosh motions yeah. out wide and you know all of a sudden it's bombs away but i think uh you know the the tight end position really is kind of the the building block of almost mm-hmm. everything that Todd Monken does in terms of just creating conflict and matchup problems. And if Georgia is able to establish the run early, uh, it's going to be a long day for Oregon on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Yeah. I will just say this, that if you look at coverage grades for uh, the PFF coverage grades, the Oregon linebackers are some of the lowest rated um, on their returning team. For coverage and like Jamon Dumas Johnson is one of the higher rated ones for Georgia. So um, I think you're 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 gonna see those mismatches. And Kenny McIntosh was a great point. I think if you get in situations where you're having to decide to put a linebacker on a tight end like Brock Bowers or or a Kenny McIntosh split out wide, I think you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, fun fact that would probably surprise a lot of people, but the guy on Georgia's team in 2021 that had the highest receiving grade was Kenny McIntosh. 
he had like a 92.9 receiving grade. Uh, he runs routes like a slot receiver. Like, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And I absolutely love, uh, Noah Swell, but, and I wanted him at Georgia so bad and he almost came here, but, but if he finds himself having to cover Bowers or McIntosh one-on-one, I think he might be in trouble. I am with you there, my friend. Um, okay. I'm going to bring a couple folks in. We got some requests. We've got a gold mouth dog. You are being added in. Just unmute yourself when you are connected here and fire away, sir. Goldmouth dog, you're on. You uh, have a question. Uh, yeah, just a little pivot. My biggest question is how. Um, I, I know we have a talented running back room, and I'm I'm excited for these guys. But with guys being banged up, how confident, or I would say, are we not confident in our running game this year? Uh, I'm confident. I'm not going to say that running backs are, you know, a dime a dozen, but there we have plenty there. We're not as deep as we were uh, to start the, the camp. But, I mean, Dejan is one guy we're not talking about. I mean, he's he's a bruiser. He can, he trust him with the ball. Yeah, he's incredibly he's underrated to me. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's going to be fine. I mean, I, I think you know, Milton hopefully will get healthy. But if you're telling me we got – Kenny Mack, Dejon, and, you know, this Branson Robinson, hopefully he can get in there. I mean, you just got to be careful on what he has to do in pass protection with a, with a young guy like that. But again, you know, it's a, it's, you know, the South Carolina game aside, it's a pretty good opening stretch of games to get him some reps, you know, with Sanford and Kent state. So uh, I'm not worried about it. Do I wish we were deeper? Do I wish we had everybody healthy? Absolutely. But I'm, I don't think it's a cause for concern. Yeah, and the other thing I would I would add with our am I the only one that lost Dustin there? No, no we, 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 yeah, we I think we all did. Yeah. All right, yeah. So I think for for from my perspective, um, you know, I, I think the offensive line for Georgia this year is going to be maybe the best one they've had under Kirby Smart. And I know that's saying quite a lot, but uh, particularly in the run game, I think that they are going to excel. Uh, I mean, those guards are big and they're nasty. And, you know, you're talking about like 300 plus pounds across that line of scrimmage. Uh, Broderick Jones, for as athletic as he is and as well as he did in uh, in pass blocking in the national championship game, I mean, really where we – saw him excel the most last year as he started to to get more and more meaningful snaps was was in run blocking. So I think that that group is just going to be so good that the, you know, even if you are maybe uh, rotating some of these, you know, the, like maybe Branson Robinson has to take some snaps in this Oregon game uh, in his first career college game because, you know, obviously Andrew Paul is out and uh, Milton is – banged up I think we'll see him play but I don't you know I don't think he is going to see 18 touches or anything like that right I think it's going to be a little more sporadic so even if these young guys come in I think that there's going to be holes to run through and if you go back and look at that first half of Georgia's season last year or like go look at the Missouri game last year like that wasn't really always the case uh the middle of that line struggled a lot uh particularly the guards with with Schaefer and Erickson just had a hard time uh, from an assignment standpoint. And so I think you will see just probably some, some cleaner, more assignment sound offensive line play. And usually when that happens, the running backs will kind of take care of, take care of themselves. For sure. And, and to add on just like another little piece, it's just, I think Kenny Mack will be used like a Kamara this year. So it's like, I'm worried about the depth behind that because he's going to get a lot of touches. He's going to get a lot of burn. So if we lose Kenny Mack and, you know, not a, nothing against Milton, but he hasn't been the most available. So it's like we're kind of like down on our one-two punch. That's just the only thing that's like really concerning me. Everything else is cool. I'm cool with. 
Yeah, no, I think it's definitely a valid concern. I mean, you know, Milton, uh, he's a stud when, when you can get him in the game. It's just, you know, having him dinged up already, I think, is probably a, a little bit of an anxiety point for a lot of Georgia fans just because, you know, they, they haven't had him available much in the last couple seasons. And and McIntosh is the same as as well, right? Like, he's he's been out for decent points or decent parts of the last two years. So I, I think the anxiety or, you know, the – the worry there is definitely valid. Uh, and I, and I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I think McIntosh is a huge weapon in the passing game and I think that they will, you know, use him. Uh, but yeah, these, these guys like Edwards and Robinson need to be ready to go. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if we see a lot of, you know, kind of like the walk on kind of running backs in the second half of games this year, when, especially when Georgia has a lead and is in control just to, to keep kind of the, the, the tread on the tires of these other guys. Yeah. I was going to bring Yeah. Was, well, <laughs> yeah, but you, you saw, I mean, Savon Clark got carries last year, right? I mean, you saw that happen when Georgia was banged up a little bit. And I think you're definitely going to see some more of that this year. Um, the good news is like Graham said, the schedule, you know, you have the Oregon game, but then, the, the schedule, you do have games kind of built in um, where hopefully, knock on all the wood, um, you can you can give guys uh, a breather and also get some of these three and four deep guys some reps um, to get their, their feet under them. Sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for jumping in, man. Um, appreciate you. Hopping in here. Looks like we got a request from Scott, so I will add you in here, Scott. And Scott, whenever you're ready, fire away, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to say, if anything, I think the game plan's got to be predicated on the run this year just to draw them in and change the release point, absolutely abuse them with the tight ends for Oregon. I just think the offensive line's too good and the running backs are too versatile not to. Um, I was going to ask about Kendall, how Mr. Milton's doing, see where he's kind of at, if he's getting at least a little bit of rotation and touch. I know he's been, you know, precautionarily held out. But also, what's the player you guys feel like no one is talking about now that they will be by week six, seven, or eight? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the the Milton question real quick, and then um, we'll go around on the the second one. Yeah, I, I, Kendall, you know, I, I think what you said is correct. Like they're definitely uh, being precautionary with him. That being said, I know he did uh, practice some yesterday. Uh, you know, I I don't think that there was heavy contact type of drills, but he's at least getting out there and moving around. I think if the Oregon game was this weekend. He could go. Uh, what I've been told to expect is, you know, you'll see him get some some reps and touches, but you you know you may see him uh, come in for two plays and then come out for for four or five, right? Like I don't I don't think that you know they're gonna do anything to kind of risk him straining that hamstring, but I think that they are going to be intentional with how they use him and give him touches because he can be a weapon. And I mean that's another thing that because Kenny McIntosh has been so good in the passing game that that we kind of overlook or don't talk about enough, but like Milton can do some things in the passing game as well. And like, I would not be shocked if they kind of, you know, use that as maybe an ace up the sleeve against Oregon. If if they need a big play at some point, like maybe he comes out of the backfield on a wheel route, like you saw him do on G day. Cause if he catches the ball in the open field and it's him and like a safety, it's, it's it's problematic for the defense to say the least, just because he's so hard to bring down. So uh, I think you'll see him, but uh, I think that they definitely, you know, are trying to make decisions for you know the next four months, not just for the Oregon game, if that makes sense. But I'd love to hear uh, John, Josh, Jason, all you guys. What yeah. is the player you think uh, you know will will be buzzing about in six weeks? Uh, I'll throw one out there. It's a guy that's been around for a couple years, but we seem to have forgotten about him as uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. Um, I think um, he is going to be a guy that's going to make some some plays. And you know, folks are talking about with good, you know, with good reason. Um, Ad Mitchell and uh, Kyrus Jackson, like all all those guys, but. 
but MRJ I think is going to make some plays for Georgia. And I think by the time you get in mid season, um, folks are going to view him as a real key contributor. I don't know if this qualifies or he will be the talk of the team because offensive line play doesn't get talked, you know, on Twitter like it is. But if, if Graham is saying this is one of the best lines that Kirby's ever had and a position that hasn't been talked about, that's locked down to Cedric and Perron. Um, and if he's right on the edge of being, you know, on one of the all American teams and, if this, you know, we get the ball run in and, and Stetson has time to throw, that's going to be in large part because of good, you know, offensive line play. And that I think Ben Prince is definitely the leader there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him be one of the sort of the, the, uh, the, the veteran leaders there. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Kamari Lasseter just mainly because Ringo's on the other side. And he's going to get more opportunities to make those plays. Yeah, kind of mirroring what happened with Ringo last year and, and DK. Dang it. You stole mine. Um, I will go with uh, – so for defense, I'll go with Javon Bullard. Uh, I think he's going to be your your starting uh, slot corner star kind of guy. Um, and he is very, very fast. And, you know, I think just extremely athletic. And I think that because of some of the stuff Jason was just talking about with the the boundary corner play and because teams like Alabama had a lot of success picking on Georgia in the slot last year, uh, you're going to see that area get tested a lot early. And I think that that he's going to have the opportunity to to make some plays. And I think he's probably going to do a – probably a surprisingly good job in, in run support just for a guy his size. I think he's, he's a pretty hard-nosed dude. Uh, and then I'll go with Dylan Bell for offense. Um, you go and look at his high school tape, and it's like he's doing everything all over the field. Uh, and I'll, I, like, I, I think I posted this on Twitter in the like dead of summer when there was nothing else to talk about. But uh, one prediction that I threw out back in the summer was that we will see uh, Dylan Bell – touchdown pass uh sometime sometime before his career is over but for the for the fun of it we'll say we'll see him throw a touchdown pass this season kind of similar to uh the Kenny Mack one in the Orange Bowl I think I think he might come on an end around and raise up and and fire one for six at some point yeah and uh, I guess for mine I, w- I know that Oscar Delt was a highly routed uh, rank recruit that we got. But I think a lot of people think with the way the depth chart ranks and with Eric coming in, um, I think that a lot of people probably think that he won't have much production. But um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be hard to keep off the field in certain packages. So that would be probably the one I'm going to go with. I'm going to throw out my defensive guy real quick before we move on. Um, Zion Logue. I think people are going to be talking about Zion Logue by the time we get to the middle of the season. Nice. Okay. Um, all right. So I got an interesting one. It was I was going to say Rosemead. John took that earlier, but uh, I'll just add one more sentimental. Uh, we lost him. We he lost him. Muted Sorry. himself. Not sure what happened there. Yeah. So Don Blaylock was mine. Uh, oh, nice. My other yes. kind, of, kind of sentimental receiver. Someone that we all obviously know about and are thinking about, uh, but would love to see him kind of come back with the vengeance. I think we're going to have three guys uh, that, that could be in that situation, right? So, Rosemary Jackson, similar. And then even Kieras, because we never really saw fully, you know, or at least wasn't healthy all, all year last year. So, looking forward to see what those guys can do. I'll, I'll throw in a special team one. Give me the Australian punter. <laughs> Thorson, Thorson. He's going to get plenty of pub, dude. Trust me. Dude. <laughs> He's tatted up, isn't he? They all are. I think They're it's a requirement. Going, like, downtown Pro, too. Yeah, Pro Kick Australia. I think it's a requirement for Pro Kick Australia that you have uh, some kind of uh, low fade, almost a, like faux hawk haircut and a lot of tattoos. I'm waiting for Stequavius' full sleeve to come in. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> uh, but oh, uh, last thing I, I promise I'll get off the mic uh, Ty Smith I know he's coming back from injury I know he's more of a zone cover guy and we run the heck out of man is he 
at least working in to be a significant contributor at some point, you know, coming off this injury, or is it looking to be, you know, everyone else and then him? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you just said it. He's coming off an injury, and so it's hard to it's hard to make any like firm judgments on the play he's had in fall camp, just because the guy it, you can't condition when you have an ACL injury, right? Like, you know, the things that you have to do to stay in football shape are uh, fairly based in, you know, cardio. And it's just hard to do cardio with, without a knee. Uh, so I think he, you know, is kind of working his way back into shape. Uh, right now, I think he's kind of, you know, the the second, third guy in line, uh, probably at some, you know, some sub packages and stuff like that. But it's a long season, and Georgia is thin in the secondary. And, uh, you know, if someone gets banged up, he could have to come in and play some some really significant snaps. And I, I think just as the season goes on, he'll probably kind of find himself in better shape. I know that there was uh, some reports yesterday that uh, during the media viewing period of practice that he was not present. Uh, I posted a note on our Dog Central subscriber forum about this last night, but I, I did confirm with with quite a few sources that uh, he did practice yesterday. You know, he's still, he's still there and uh, part of the team and all that, you know, no, no new injuries or, you know, nothing, nothing crazy going on there. So um, if anyone saw that, there's nothing to, to be kind of alarmed or concerned about there, I guess I should say. If, if, uh, if he doesn't quit jogging on the practice field, Kirby Smart might kill him. <laughs> See it. All right. Yeah, well, absolutely. I was trying to be nice about it, but <laughs> no. Just All right, playing. gentlemen. Well, I'm going to go back to listener. I appreciate the uh, answers. Absolutely, Scott. Always a pleasure having you in. Thanks for joining, man. You, you know me, Grandma. You know how it goes. I'm, I'm just going to like it is. Hey, I, Grammy, I, that's why we love you. Do you have anybody lined up? I do. Okay, great. I've got hey, some stuff a, from the YouTube chat here. Um, so this would be a one probably for Jason. Uh, how soon can Georgia get the UCLA running back commit on campus for a visit? And I guess kind of where do we stand in that situation? Oh, I would maybe watch for possibly the Auburn game. I know he's going to visit Texas A&M also. And he's going to take a uh, – I'm not sure if he's taken any so far in June. Maybe one, I think. So I think he's going to use all of his visits. And so I would I would say maybe look for the Auburn game or maybe one of the uh, smaller games. Awesome. Thank you. Um, one other one to kind of an interesting comment here uh, from Jim Page. He said, I know the landing knows Georgia narrative has been popular this offseason but no one has mentioned that Brian McClendon was on their staff the past two years. Do you think that gives Georgia any sort of advantage? I mean, it could. I like, I, you know, obviously he recruited uh, a lot of those guys. I mean, Oregon has two wide receivers on their roster that were top eight, uh, top eight receivers in their class. I think in the class of twenty. 20 oh, I'm sorry of 2021 so this will be their second year in the program neither had you know very significant contributions last year but definitely both talented guys so uh yeah I think especially when it comes down to uh kind of how the the secondary may want to match up with some of these guys or you know is this a guy we can play press coverage on or do we want to give up you know outside leverage or inside leverage here some of those questions uh definitely could could be helpful yeah I think the challenge is when you're talking about coaches moving teams and having some kind of advantage is on Dan Lanning's side he's trying to install a whole new system with new coaching staff with like that stuff is very very difficult um and learning all the players capabilities etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's almost like people who haven't been there before it's hard to visualize but you 
you don't have a lot of time to like focus on the tendencies of the other team because you're trying to get your team to actually execute on what they need to execute on. And I think the same thing with, with Brian McClendon, like, you know, for me, I, I think some of that is a little bit, um, there's knowledge in the building, but I think you don't know the development from spring to now of those guys either. College is just a weird time with people developing. So I, I don't think it personally, I don't think it gives any either team a, a any kind of big advantage. I do think there's knowledge in the building, but there's always knowledge in the building um, personally. So, Fair enough. Um, okay. Yeah. Another one that was, that was interesting that I got over Twitter here. Uh, Jordan Davis became kind of the uh, crowd favorite, the, the fan favorite last year. You know, he was sort of the media darling and, uh, in a lot of ways, he sort of became like the the mascot for the Georgia defense. Um, is there a guy in 2022 who you think will become sort of the you know the media darling in that same kind of way? It's absolutely Jalen. You know, I mean, he's already lined up at fullback and caught a touchdown pass. He's, you know, presumably one of the top five picks in the NFL draft next year. He's playing the same position. He's uh, a gifted athlete. You know, he's in, you know, everyone's been saying he's probably the best player they had on defense last year and wasn't even in the draft. So, um, you know, I, maybe it's somebody else, but I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's not him other than Stetson. If you're talking about just sure, a pure face of the team. I didn't know Smith for that list. Uh, I think he's very personable. He went to SEC Media Days. He goes snow skiing. Uh, I, I like Nolan Smith. Well, plus, plus on Jalen, Kirby Smart has even said that he's in better shape and better condition and basically ready to go, you know, all three downs. Yeah, I, I think for I think for me, um, I'm going to go with Nolan Smith too, Jim, as far in terms of the – like if you think about the personality of the defense – um, the guy who, uh, uh, who's kind of that big smile on his face kind of thing. I think if you, if you think about who's going to be the best player, I think is obviously going to be, in my opinion, Jalen Carter. Uh, but I shared a, a tweet in the space of the Nuck If You Buck video. Watch number 97, Warren Brinson. Watch him dance in that video. That guy's going to make some people, that guy's going to make some people smile this year, uh, on the field. He is, he is just really infectious. So. That makes sense. I uh, yeah, he he's hilarious by all accounts. Um, I can't believe nobody said Stetson. I mean, come on, like you know, he's already got. I, mean, I kind of uh, He's already got the Disney sort of you know story, the script. Well, he's I think, but see, the, the walk Ste- on coming to theaters June twenty thirty three on the Stetson actually, story. There might actually be Stetson fatigue. I, I don't – I mean, I know that there's people that have strong opinions on him in both directions. But what I'm going to say is that uh, there's been a lot of people in the national media that, you know, are, are analyzing his play from a football standpoint that I think have kind of like either, you know, mislabeled or underestimated some of his talents just – or, you know, just how – effective he is i think in monken system might be the best way to put it um talking about him as a college football player not as an nfl you know prospect or whatever like he is going to be the returning national title winning quarterback on a defending champion that is gonna you know compete for a college football playoff spot again uh i think you know if you look at sort of how that offense is set up, I think he's set up to have a lot of success again this year. I think statistically he's probably going to have a large year playing all 15 games. And so um, I'm not going to be shocked if, you know, the he ends the up. Only thing, the only thing his story is missing is just Musburger going creepy on his girlfriend in the stands, I think. Are you calling Stetson Bennett A.J. McCarron? No, that, don't. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's the question though. Are we gonna get Stetson and the story? Are we getting Stequavius and the heel turn? Cause like that's what we gotta know. That's what we'll find out with Oregon, I guess. Yeah, he might have a little edge to him this year. Um you know, which I think may may be a good thing for, for Georgia. Um 
I mean, he's he's definitely – I don't know. There was all the conversation with him this offseason back in the spring practice about Kirby wanting him to step up as a leader. And by all accounts, he has. Like, he's he's had a very good fall camp. And from a vocal kind of leadership standpoint and just a consistency showing up and doing the right things every day, like, it seems like he's checking all of those boxes. So, maybe, you know, he kind of goes from being that guy that, like, I mean, he said at one point last year, like, the dreams kind of come true, but now I have to, like, like learn what it's like to be an SEC starter. And maybe that's that's kind of started to fall into place for him. And all of a sudden he, you know, plays with a little more, a little more like Baker Mayfield kind of uh, edge to him. So um, we have uh, Kennington here. I invited to speak. Uh, Kennington Lloyd Smith. Um, Kennington, if you're on here, Go ahead and uh, unmute yourself and jump in. We'd love to hear what you have to say. For sure. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, Kennington, Lloyd Smith, Georgia graduate um, in the sports media field. I uh, live in Iowa, cover the University of Iowa Hawkeyes football men's basketball team. So um, just follow the dogs from afar, and I appreciate what y'all do here at this site, um, all the intel and everything. So the last time I hopped in this space, I just wanted to chime in and say that. Um, but I'm down for any and every Georgia-related conversation. Um, has anybody talked about Darnell yet? That's, to me, one of the bigger storylines um, that I've been closely following. It seems like ever since he entered into the program, there's been so much potential there. But it's just been whether it's conditioning and then the injury and then working his way back from the injury, um, another setback in the spring, he wasn't able to practice. Um, but all indications – is that he's kind of healthy in this fall camp and he's ready to roll. So um, I would just want to hear everybody's opinion on just kind of where they see Darnell fitting into the offense. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for jumping in and, and thanks for the kind words and uh, thanks for representing the dogs out in, uh, out in Iowa. Hope that, uh, hope it's a fun season covering Kirk Ferentz and those guys out there. Um, the Iowa question would be involving a tight end, of course. So. Of course. <laughs> Of course, I'm not. I I'm gonna push. I'm gonna hold back on pushing the Georgia tight end you narrative up here until I see it in fruition this fall. That's a touchy subject out here, obviously. So, um, yeah, I'm focused on on the tight end. So that's what I'm interested in and talking about. Awesome. No, fair fair enough. Uh, yeah, Iowa obviously has a quite a legacy at that position as well. But yeah, on Darnell, um, I'm always hesitant to to say what I'm about to say about like anybody because I'm afraid that I'm going to come off as like a homer or, you know, something like, I don't know, people are going to feel like I'm, I'm blowing something out of proportion, but uh, I always try to just kind of pass along what I'm told about things happening in as plain a language as I can. And so uh, what I have been told many times this fall camp is that like a Darnell is in, you know, the best shape that he's been in at any point since arriving at Georgia, but like B, you know, his Georgia hired his old uh, high school coach this off season. So I think, you know, there's kind of a greater level of support there for him. Like I, everything is kind of fallen into the place for him, like on field and off field. And I've had people say like, he, you know, he is playing at a level in some of these team drills and scrimmages that you would see a all American type of tight end play at like he, cannot be brought down with one tackler. Uh, you know, he's he's gone from being, I think, a guy who uh, Georgia could really rely on in the uh, it, it, as an inline tight end and as a blocking tight end. Now that he's healthy, he's able to to go out and do some things in in terms of pass routes and and catching the ball and and doing things after the catch that you know everyone kind of always like dreamed he would and thought he might when he was coming out of high school, but. Yeah, I think this is the year for him. I think he has a a big season. Things kind of click into place, especially with as much attention as Bowers is going to get from defenses just because he's such a proven commodity at this point. Like, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for, for Washington and some of these two, three tight end sets. Um, and I think you're going to see him split out wide at times as well, like, Georgia is, you know, you have A.D. Mitchell, but I think the, the outside receiver positions are a little bit of a question mark after him. And so 
I think you'll see them utilize those tight ends on the boundary some. And I mean, if I was a, you know, a six foot tall defensive back and all of a sudden six, seven Darnell Washington walks out there and I got to cover him man to man, like that's a nightmare, you know, um, 50, 50 balls are 80, 20 for him. So I think, I think he's going to have a big year. I'll, I'll go on record as saying it. And I hope he does. Um, just kind of after all he's sort of been through injury wise, it would be fun to watch him have a, a big season and, and go get a big paycheck. Yeah. I saw him uh, as like one of the top four or five tight end prospects. And you can easily see with a year that maybe you're saying is on the, is on the table for him that he could move up to, you know, second or third. And that would be a, it's a big jump for the tight end position. So I'm, I'm definitely cheering for him. I think he was just a, uh, I mean, I was excited. He's just one of those guys that came in and we announced. He was just like, felt it, it, Kirby was recruiting really well at the time, but still it just felt like it kept rolling. You know, I just felt like Darnell was one of those guys that just kept us rolling in the recruiting. And, and I'd love to see him blow up. Man, I really do. I'm a big Darnell fan. Awesome. All right. Um, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, I think Dustin is still in here. Uh, Anthony Evans commits tomorrow at four o'clock PM. Uh, how are we feeling about that, Dustin? Yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm pretty confident. I think that the Gundy news of Oklahoma helped, but um, even Jason posted at Dollar Central for about a month or so, even when he was getting crystal balls from Oklahoma insiders, people on the Georgia side felt very comfortable. Um, you know, there was a time where he might have been kind of looking towards Oklahoma's um, side, but you can kind of read into some of the quotes that he had um, where he's probably giving Monk in more credit. Um, I know a lot of people mention the 1,000-yard receivers a lot of times, but um, if you kind of dig into the stats, um, Munkin does um, do a good job of getting the wide receivers involved and having a balanced attack, but um, – all that being said, I think we feel pretty confident all central tomorrow will land them. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I guess – I'm sorry, Josh, did you have something to say? Go dogs. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing about Evans, um, I'm looking back at a conversation I had with him. This was back in uh, – ooh. So this was June 13th, right on the heels of his visit to Athens, uh, I, I was kind of asking him some questions about his visit and, uh, he gave me permission to, to quote this DM that he sent me. He said, everyone looks at history and says, Georgia doesn't throw the ball and this and that, but realistically you don't throw when you're kicking people's butts, you run it to get the game over. The staff broke down first half stats from last season and explained exactly how I fit into the offense and special teams. Georgia is definitely right at the top as I get ready to make my decision. So that was back in June. Uh, obviously, you know, that, that was a long time ago in the, the world of recruiting. But uh, Dustin mentioned kind of some of the, the negative recruiting that's gone on with Georgia's lack of 1,000-yard wide receivers. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting insight from him to sort of have an idea of how that staff is kind of combating some of that. Um, we also did an article on Dog Central about, for, like, if you compare Georgia's first-half stats – or compare Georgia's passing stats uh, by, you know, what the, the score differential is in a game that, that last year's Georgia quarterbacks fared very well compared to uh, Bryce Young and, you know, some, some national title winning, winning teams over the last half decade. Uh, the only one that was really a huge gap would, would be 2020 Bama and 2019 LSU, but uh, very, very efficient uh, quarterback play in you know, explosive pass plays quite frequently. Um, um, one thing I would like to mention, actually two things. On the website, for a lot of new users, um, you know, you can do a search feature. So if you feel like you're kind of behind, or we mentioned something last week, you can search um, Anthony Evans or whatever recruit it is, and you'll be able to see any notes that we've had. So that's one thing I would say for people that want to get on the website. And I know a lot of other websites that you have to go dig into different form. Um, post to figure it out so that's kind of a useful tool and then the second thing Jason did hop off he did pop his um his mock class for Georgia 
So if you're wanting to see that, um, Jason did just make that live about 40 minutes ago. Awesome. Yeah. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, last thing I wanted to say is if you look at the tweet that I shared right here on the top of the page, uh, myself and Josh and John, um, we are going to be doing a live broadcast from the Players Lounge Classic City Collective uh, tailgate before the Oregon game on September 3rd in Atlanta. Uh, the tailgate starts at 11 a.m. We'll probably go live on air a little bit before that. We want to try and get off of the live stream, uh, you know, around noon because once football games start, we know that everyone's focus will kind of shift in that direction. But we're going to do kind of a version of a UGA game day, Dog Central game day, kind of, so to speak. We'll have some. Some cool guests on the show. We'll have lots of analysis and breakdown. And uh, if you hit that link up there on the top, you can come in and uh, register for free to come and join that tailgate. So we hope you guys will do that. And hey, Graham, uh, hey, Graham, before you sign off, uh, Jeff Hightaf in the in the YouTube chats want to know what time that announcement is tomorrow. Do we know? Four p.m. Four p.m. All right. Awesome. Yep. 4 p.m. for Anthony Evans. And uh, yeah, join us over at the uh, Players Lounge tailgate. And uh, if you've not checked out Dog Central, we are still running our launch special six months for $33.18. We share a few tidbits of information on these spaces, but there is a lot of intel, uh, daily practice reports, uh, the most detailed scrimmage notes I think you're going to find anywhere, uh, all on there for uh, about $5.50 a month to get you through the rest of football season. Uh, Josh has a 200-page PDF with player grades and advanced stats for all uh, Power 5 teams, so you can check that out uh, as you get ready for the season. But lots of great content, and all of us in the space – 